So last week we started with a new series uh, called The Journey. And it's really just us taking 40 days to journey with Jesus. Taking 40 days to, as we said last week, lay aside our appetites and really put our relationship with God first. Um, So last week we challenged, we were all challenged, myself included, um, to to go and think about it. What, what are the things that I put before God? What are the things that, that I've kind of prioritized before God at times? You know, that because of X, Y, or Z, I don't really spend as much time with God as what I should. I don't really have the sort of relationship with God that I truly desire. So we all went home and maybe it's the TV, maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's sugar and caffeine. So you really feel like you're poked right now. Um, but somewhere along the line you you gave up something come monday morning uh maybe some of you haven't and this is the first you're hearing of it and uh we want to challenge you to do the same with us um it ends on on easter friday morning um we preparing ourselves for what we believe god wants to do with us and and through us come easter but we also said let this not just be a um, let this not just be a nice program for forty days. Our hope and our prayer is that this really kickstarts something in our lives. That this really initiates something in our lives where where after the forty days we've built up great habits. We've 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 built up a relationship with God that has now become more important than the stuff that I used to think I loved so dearly. That's my prayer at least. All right. So, as I said, last week we spoke into, into God's desire for, for a relationship with you and me and the lens that he went to. We looked at creation. We looked at the fact that he gave us free will. We, we saw that Adam used that free will to put his appetites in front of his relationship with God and as a result caused damage between him and God. And, and we all kind of live in that damage today. Uh, but that's ultimately that damage was was uh was was made right through the life death and resurrection of jesus when we say yes to it and that the life of jesus is really a blueprint for us to follow when it comes to our relationship with god so this week this week there's there's something when we look at the life of jesus there's something that that really stands out in the life of jesus there's something there's something that that as we look at the life of jesus there's something that sets him apart from from all others and 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 it's not just seen in his life we we first we first see this characteristic in the nature of god and it's called faithfulness faithfulness so when we talk about God's faithfulness, when we, when we talk about God's faithfulness, the, the book of uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 18 it tells us in there that God is faithful. Um, when we look at creation, again, we looked at it last week, but if we consider what we said last week about creation, think about it. God creates man on day six, not on day one. And he creates man on day six because on day one, two, three, four, and five, he's creating space, he's creating life, he's creating food, he's creating oxygen, he's creating all these things that we as human beings would need to exist. 
And God creates this entire ecosystem for us to be able to live in and to be able to have fullness of life in. And again, just seeing God's faithfulness through that. But if I, if there's any picture for me personally, this is a personal thing. I don't know, maybe when you think of the faithfulness of God, you think of something else. But when I think of the faithfulness of God, there's this picture that, that we see in the book of, of Genesis where, where it says that God, in the cool of day, in the cool of the day, God came and, and walked in the garden with Adam. And I'm sure when Eve came around, it was the three of them. But can you for a minute just begin to imagine that? Imagine the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, comes and and meets with you every day. Not just his spirit, him as person. Comes and meets with you every day and walks with you in the garden. Just spending time talking chatting and it says he came every day he was faithful he was faithful in his relationship and as i i think of that i can't help but think for myself that that's god's original intention with man don't you believe that god's god's original intention with man was to have that sort of relationship not just that I'll shoot you a text when I get a chance and we'll go and have coffee. Not a, I'd, I know that I said I'd be there by dinner, but work's running late. Not, not a, I thought I loved you, but then I met so-and-so, so here's my text to say, it was good, thanks. No, there's a faithfulness that God shows in relationship with man he showed up every day he showed up every day and he walked with man in the garden and i can only begin to imagine what they spoke about can only imagine how adam asked him you know you know that whole let there be light thing like what what was that like like you talk about a big bang i tend to agree when you read that scripture it's like let there be light And, and God walks with man and, and, and has relationship with man and has that level of relationship with man. But most importantly, God is faithful in his relationship with man. And then we know man puts his appetites before his relationship and kind of messes everything up for the rest of us. But right in that moment, God again launches his rescue plan, which ultimately is then Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes and repairs the relationship. But if we even just think of what I've just said there, there again we see God's faithfulness. In man's unfaithfulness, the very next thing that God does is he goes and he's faithful. And he says, hey, I've got a rescue plan for this. I'm going to restore relationship between us and God is faithful. We, we see the faithfulness of God through so many lives in Scripture. Think about Abraham. Abraham, God gives Abraham a promise, doesn't he? He says, hey, you're going to be the father of a, a people that you can't even count. More than the grains of, 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 of on the seashore. 
more than, 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 than the stars in the sky. That's, that's the amount of people that's going to come from your lineage. And, and he promised this to Abraham when he's 100. And when after a couple of years and nothing's happening, Abraham's like, you know what? I'm going to make a plan B. I'm going to make a plan B. And Abraham and, and his wife Sarah, they get together and they organize one of their, one of their servant girls and, and, and Abraham goes and, and has a kid with her. But that wasn't God's plan. And it's like Abraham is unfaithful in his relationship to God. And even in his unfaithfulness, we see that God still keeps his promise. Abraham still becomes the father of the nation of Israel. Still becomes the father of, of a people. And God remains faithful. The life of Samson. Samson has all sorts of promises over his life. But he chooses to chase tail day in and day out. All the time. Jumping in and out of relationships. And, and squandering this promise that's been put on his life. And he's unfaithful to the call of God in his life. And right at the end of his life we see, we see how... In this moment, God is still faithful and God gives him one final burst of strength to take out all, all, the, all the, the, the Philistines that were, that were in the place, in the, in the building. He takes them out and God remains faithful to Samson in that moment. We look at the life of David. I mean, David, King David, one of the greatest men in the Bible. But man, that dude, when he messed up, he done good. He sees Bathsheba without her Sheba on and he gets all excited and ends up uh, figuring out that she's pregnant with his kid. And uh, not just does he <laughs> try and cover it up, he, after a whole spiel, ends up killing off her husband to cover up his sin. And God, through the, Nathan, through the prophet Nathan, comes and he, he addresses it with, with David. And David recognizes his sin. And, and there were consequences. In all of these stories, there were consequences. The consequences didn't go away, but nor did the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God still remained for that person's life. See, David comes to a point where he falls to his knees and he repents. He repents. He says, Lord, it's against you and you alone that I've sinned. And in that moment, God comes and he's faithful to David. And, and David still goes on to, become, to be the, the greatest king that, that, that we can, can learn from today in Scripture. Still, still the greatest king that Israel ever saw. It's found in the life of David. Why? Because he repented and, and came back into relationship with God. And we saw that even in his unfaithfulness, God remained faithful. It was Paul speaking to Timothy where he said in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, he says, if we are unfaithful, he being God remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. That's critical because you see, God doesn't do faithful. God doesn't do faithful. God is faithful. It's who he is. He is faithful in the same way that he can't love you. He, he, it's not a thing that he does. 
He is love. And the love we experience from Him comes from His very person. Comes from who He is. It's the same with His faithfulness. It's not this thing that He does. It's who He is. And we see that faithful nature of God demonstrate through the life of Christ. And it was Jesus himself who said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we've seen Jesus, we've, we've seen the Father. He said, for I do nothing out of myself. I only do what I see my Father do. So if you want to understand what is God like, what, what's the nature of God, what's the personage of God like, have a very good look at the life of Jesus. Because within the life of Jesus is wrapped up the nature and the personage of God. We said, as we, we're looking at, at, at the life of Jesus as this blueprint for us to follow in our relationship with God. How do we, how do we live out that relationship? How do, how do we live out that faithfulness in that relationship? Well, I think first off, it's important for us to know that God desires our faithfulness. God desires your faithfulness. You see, when we stop and think about it, why does God desire our faithfulness? Because relationship requires faithfulness. How many of you know that one of the greatest assets that my wife and I have in our relationship is our faithfulness? If I'm unfaithful to her, I've just shot my relationship to fill in the blank. Messed it all up. It is my faithfulness to my wife and my wife's faithfulness to me that holds that relationship intact. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be, have, have gone through a stage where, where you've been in a marriage where someone was unfaithful and, and you've really trusted God to bring about restoration. Again, I believe that that's his faithfulness for that moment. Again, we see his faithfulness even in that. Hey, we kind of made decisions and screwed everything up. And Lord, we're so sorry. Lord, can you take what was once one and is now kind of broken and can you make it one again? And through his faithfulness, God comes along and he says, of course I can. Of course I can. And as we walk with him, he brings about that restoration. Faithfulness, uh, relationship requires faithfulness. But at the same time, Faithfulness is rooted in faith. If you think of the word faithful, faithful, it's full of faith. And we know that the Word of God tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. So when we are faithful to God, it means that we have put our full faith in God. Trusting Him with our past, our present, and our future. And returning to Him over and over and over again with our full faith, our full trust, knowing that He is faithful. And the overflow of this trust is relationship, and the overflow of that relationship is trust. Why would we be speaking about faithfulness today? 
You see, we've just entered into a time of prayer and fasting. The obvious thing for me to do today would be to speak about prayer and, and to delve into that, to speak about fasting and to delve into that. But here's the thing, folks. If there's a spiritual discipline that we need first and foremost before we, we really delve super deep into those, let's be honest, it's faithfulness, isn't it? Because it's my faithfulness that will sustain me in my time of prayer. It's my faithfulness that will sustain me through a time of fasting. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands, but for those of you who did start fasting on Monday, how were those first like three days? They were tough. I'm, I'm just honest. Uh, they were tough. And I might have chosen to give up too much. Um, I'm not sure. I gave up a whack of stuff just because that's what I felt like God was asking from me in that moment. Um, but I can, I can remember waking up Monday morning. Monday morning, we just said, hey, we're going into prayer and fasting. Here's one of the things I gave up, TV. Okay, no TV. I'm lying. I have three exclusions. I'm being honest now. I have three exclusions. MotoGP, cricket, and UFC. Those are the only ones I'm allowed because they don't rob me from my time with God, if that makes any sense. It's the getting home and watching like eight episodes of a series that robs me of my time with God. Does that make sense? Okay. Here's the deal. The other thing is sugar and caffeine. None of it. Monday morning we wake up and it's raining. And as I'm looking at the rain, two things go through my mind. A good movie and pancakes. It's a rainy day. It's my off day. That's exactly what I need. Right now, I need a movie and pancakes. And I'm not going to lie, it was tough. I actually looked at my wife. I said to her, you know, it is day one. We could always just start tomorrow. <laughs> we started on Monday. I did not watch that movie and I did not have those pancakes. But the point I'm trying to bring across is that we can have all these great desires to do all these great things. But if we don't allow God to work his faithfulness in our lives first, it's kind of like running into battle with a water pistol. What will sustain us? What will sustain us in those moments? And I believe that as we look at the life of Jesus, there's this moment where his life so beautifully demonstrates this for us. We see... We see this moment where, where John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, he, he's busy speaking to a group of people and uh, he's busy baptizing people and Jesus comes walking and, and John kind of sees Jesus from a distance and he stops everything that they're doing and he, he says to the folks, he just stops and he points to Jesus and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And right there, he announces God's rescue plan for all of them. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus walks up to John, and Jesus says to him, just like you're baptizing these people, I, I, I want you to baptize me. I need you to baptize me. 
And immediately John's on the back foot and he says, no way. I'm not baptizing you. You need to baptize me. I'm not even worthy to tie your shoelaces. You need to baptize me. And Jesus looks at John and he says, no, God wants it this way. You baptize me. And we see John obeys and he baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus comes out of the water, we know scripture says that, that the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus like a dove. And, uh, and a voice spoke from heaven. God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And right there, as Jesus steps out of the water, that was really the start of his ministry. That was really the start of, of his creational call, his creational purpose, so to speak. And I find it amazing that Jesus goes from there, he goes into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Just think about this for a moment. Straight after, as Jesus is starting something new, He's about to start something new. That's the start of his ministry in life. As he, as he steps into something new, what's the very first thing that he does? He goes and he submits his appetite. And he prioritizes his relationship with God. He goes into a time of, of prayer and fasting for 40 days. You and I here today... As we've entered into this journey with Jesus, as we've, as we've really laid time aside, set time aside, maybe set certain things aside, certain appetites aside in our lives, I, I, I want to I throw this out. Consider this. Are you expecting God to do something new? Are you desiring for God to do something new through this process? Maybe for you, it's, it's you trust in God that, that you break an addiction, that you, that you break a habit, that you, 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 you change bad habits for good habits, that he comes and he does something new in that area of your life. Maybe, maybe it's a health issue. Maybe there's a health issue that you're really trusting God for restoration in your body, that, there's, that, it, that he brings about a newness within your, within your physical body. Maybe... Maybe it's a, it's a newness in a, in a work situation, a really ugly, nasty situation that you're having to deal with day in and day out in work, or, or you've lost work and you're trusting him for new work, but there's a newness that you require in that area. Maybe it's a family situation that's gone completely south, and you're trusting God for restoration there, you're trusting God for newness there. Maybe it's other relationships, friendships, or whatever it may be. But I believe that as we've all entered into this, that there is a newness that we desire. What's the newness that you desire? What is that new thing that you desire? Maybe for you, it is as simple as a little tagline on this. I'm, I'm trusting for, for, for just falling in love with Jesus afresh. That's it. It's really not that complicated. Like for me, that's what it is. Just falling in love with Jesus. That's the newness, that newness in relationship. Lord, that's what I'm trusting for. But you see, I believe again, we, we can look at the life of Jesus and go, you know what? He did the same thing. He did the same thing. As he started something new, the first thing he did was he went, he laid down his appetites. And he put his relationship with his father first. 
So as we trust in God for this, I believe that we need to be faithful in these areas and trust Him with it completely. I'm going to read what happened next. Um, it's, it's quite a long passage, but I believe that there's so much in there for us to, to take with us. So if you've got your Bible with you, you're welcome to turn to Luke 4, verses 1 to 14. Um, if at this point you see a whole heap of people taking out their phones, they're not texting or Facebooking, uh, you're welcome to check. But um, for the most part, it's more than likely that that is their Bible for church. So, you're welcome to check with me. Luke 4, verse 1 to 14, says this. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at, uh, nothing all that time and became very hungry. That might be an understatement. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, important line that, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed, him, uh, revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Now as we look at, at the scripture, as we look at, at what's just been said here, we see that Jesus enters into the wilderness with one goal. We've already mentioned it. To submit his appetites and to press into relationship with God. But at the same time, we, we also see him face temptation. We see him face trials. And that's why the word of God tells us that there's nothing that, that, that we face on a daily basis that Jesus hasn't faced himself. Now you may be thinking, why did Jesus have to go through this? I believe that one of the reasons that Jesus had to go through this was for you and me. So that when we face temptation, that when we face trials, when we face these heavy things in life, that we've got an example, that we've got something to look at and go, man, there, there's a way 
for me to get through this. There's a way for me to address this. There, here, through the life of Jesus, I've got this blueprint of how do I deal with temptation? How do I deal with these things? Bottom line, how do I remain faithful through temptation? So let's have a look at, 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 at how Jesus was, was tempted. I don't believe it was easy going, guys. In this moment, we know that he was fully man. Yes, he's fully God. But in this moment, he was fully man. And the devil comes to test his faithfulness in three areas. Three specific areas. Firstly, his identity. Secondly, his appetites. And thirdly, his calling. His identity, his appetites, and his calling. When it, when it comes to, to, to Jesus' identity, we see that the devil comes to him and he says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, then prove it. Turn this stone into a loaf of bread. If you're the son of God, then prove it. And right there, the devil comes and, and, and questions who Jesus is. He questions his very identity. And the devil knew that if he could get Jesus to question his own identity, he had him beat. You see, I believe the same thing applies for you and for me. We make decisions based on, on where I find my security. We, we make decisions based on what is my significance in life. We make decisions based on what is my worth, my self-worth. What is my value? This is all wrapped up in identity. And folks, I believe that as we, again, looked at creation last week, what, what, did, the, what did Scripture tell us? It said that, God spoke everything into existence, but when it came to man, he took his time. When it came to man, he took his time and he shaped man and he molded man in his own image. And then he breathes his life into man. We are the only creatures that carry the breath of God in us. We are the only creatures that carry the identity of God. If you want to understand who you are, you need to begin to believe whose you are. When we start to understand whose we are, we'll understand who we are. Because you see, ownership determines value. Ownership determines value. I wasn't going to use this, but it's come to mind, and I think I've used it several times in the past, but it it's just speaks into this. A couple of years ago, a, a Fender Telecaster was, was sold. Uh, you, you could buy it off the shelf for, for I think it was $1,000. And four years later, it was sold for, I think, three, $300,000. Something like that. That's a pretty good return in investment. Wouldn't you say so? The reason why the telly had shot up in, in price was because the person selling the guitar was a gentleman by the name of Eric Clapton. And it was his guitar. He had a $1,000 telly and he sold it and it went for like 300 grand. 
well, three million in our money. Why? Because the value is determined by the owner. Who owns you? Where's your identity found? In who is your identity? See, we'll never know who we are until we begin to recognize whose we are. You see, Jesus understood that his security was founded in God. He understood that his significance was in the Son of God. That's exactly where the devil hit him, wasn't it? If you are the Son of God, hey, I'm the Son of God. I don't need to guess about this. Jesus was firm and established and secure in his identity. And because he was secure in his identity, he could see his way through any temptation that came his way. And he was faithful because his security, his, sorry, his identity was intact. You and I, how often do we fail in temptation purely because our, 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 our identity isn't intact? The next area, the next area that, that Jesus was challenged in was his appetites. You see, when it says that he grew hungry, I, I, I tend to think that when you haven't eaten for 40 days, you're going to be hungry. So I think it was very wise of the devil to say, hey man, here's a stone, but you don't have to suffer. Why don't you just turn the stone into bread? And he's speaking into Jesus' appetite. He's going, hey, Here's a, here's a stone. You can turn it into bread. All of this can be, can be gone right now. You can, you can feel some form of release. You can feel some form of, 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 of rest. I don't know if you've ever gone without food for a while. Um, we did a trip to Tanzania a couple of years ago. And uh, for the first six days or something, all we, we, we all like had, I think it was literally one sachet of instant, instant oats a day. For six days. By the seventh day, I was sick. I was absolutely shattered just because I, I hadn't had enough nutrition going through my, my system. And it was also long days, hard days. And I, I think to this moment, I still had my little instant oats, and that was six days. This is 40 days. Imagine how worn down Jesus was. Imagine how, how, how tired he was, how hungry he was. And in that moment, I'm sure that stone looked very, very, very inviting. But you see, because of who he knew, of whose he knew he was, does that make sense? Because of him understanding that he was God's, and that because he's God's, God is faithful. And because I'm God's, and he's faithful in this moment. We share DNA. So in this moment, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. And ultimately, I think this is so important for us. How many times don't we make permanent decisions based on temporary problems? We make permanent decisions based on temporary problems. That was a hunger in that moment was a, was a temporary problem. Correct? Hunger was a temporary problem. But turning that rock into a bread would have had eternal effects. 
And Jesus recognized that in the moment. Folks, are we still making permanent decisions based on temporary problems? Or do we trust God and recognize that He is faithful with whatever we're facing? And that because He's faithful, we can be faithful in the moment and not make a permanent decision. But let it ride out and allow God to be faithful in that moment instead. Third area where Jesus was tempted was in his calling. You see, the, the devil comes and he, he ultimately says, if you are the son of God, the, the second time around, if you are the son of God, man, I will, I'll give you, I'll give you everything that you can see, all the kingdoms, all the, all, 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 all the kingdoms of this world I'll give to you. You'll have authority over them and, 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 and. Folks, wasn't that why Jesus came? To rule and reign? Isn't that why he came? But you see, he'd have to go through a process, wouldn't he? He'd have to go through a process. He'd have to go through the cross. He'd have to go through being beaten. He'd have to go through being scorned. He'd have to go through an entire process in order to get to that final point where he sits at the right hand of God and rules for all eternity. And the devil's like, I've got a shortcut. I've got a short, you don't have to go through all this stuff. You don't have to go through the pain. You don't have to go through the struggle. You don't have to go through all this stuff in order to get to your calling. I can give it to you right here, right now. Here's a shortcut. How many of us face that daily? Maybe in relationship. You're in relationship and, and, and maybe... You know, you, you foresee a picture of, of what family could look like down the line. And the devil comes and, and lies to you and says, yeah, it can happen right now. Done. Sorted. But the truth is that there's a blessing that follows when we're faithful. Isn't that the truth? There's blessing that follows when we are faithful. Businessmen, a, a deal that, that you're working on. And there are a hundred different shortcuts that you can take. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Man, you can, if you just, you know, pay an extra admin fee here, you know, certain doors can open. Or if you just, you know, compromise certain things or, 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 or certain yeah, little things in this area, then, then other doors can open and, and ultimately this deal can go through and this deal is going to change your life. You're just not sure in which way ultimately. But there are all these shortcuts that we are faced with on a daily basis. And here again, Jesus shows us through the blueprints of his life. And he says, don't take the shortcut. I've got more in store for you. You see, Jesus could have taken the easy way out. And our eternal destiny would have looked very different. But in the moment, Jesus honors God. And he says, no, there's no shortcut here. I trust in God's faithfulness. I trust that in this moment, God is faithful. Do we trust God's faithfulness for our lives on a daily basis? When Jesus responded, in everything that he responded throughout all of these temptations, he always responded with, the scriptures say, or depending on your translation of Bible, it is written. He always came right back to Scripture. Now, now, please don't mishear what I'm going to say. 
I don't believe that Jesus was coming back to words on a page. I don't believe he was coming back to quote a book. I believe that he was coming back to quote the heart of God. Lord, what is your heart for this moment? What is your heart for this situation? Hey, just turn this loaf, the the stone into bread. You know what God's heart for this moment is? That man won't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does that mean? My full trust is in God. Why? Because I I get his heart. I understand his heart. I've got depth of relationship with him, so I understand his faithfulness. I understand his heart. And in this moment, as he's been faithful, I'm going to be faithful. Each time Jesus said it's written or, or the scriptures say, he was just quoting the faithfulness of God. What he was doing was saying that my relationship with God tells me that he will take care of my security. He will take care of my significance and he will take care of my self-worth and ultimately turn my self-worth into God-worth. What am I worth to God? He was saying that my relationship with God has become what I truly hunger for. Lord, sorry. I called you Lord. (laughs) All right. Because of his faithfulness, through temptation, through hardship, through, through his appetite screaming at him. I can only imagine how, 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 how painful it must have been. But because of his faithfulness through all of this, Jesus was empowered to go on and do incredible, incredible things. And I don't for a minute believe that his circumstances got easier. I don't think it was easier on day 38 than what it was on day three. Hey, how many of you have uh, have fasted for a long period of time? It's not like it's easier on day 38 than what it was on day three, especially when it comes to food. You get kind of hungry. I believe that 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 it probably got tougher and tougher and tougher. But here's the thing: Jesus got stronger and stronger and stronger why because of his faithfulness folks when you and i are faithful it doesn't mean that our circumstances necessarily change it doesn't mean that our circumstances necessarily get easier it means that we just get stronger and stronger and stronger through the process as we remain faithful to god I believe with all my heart that God wants to produce his faithfulness in you, that God wants to produce his faithfulness in me, that he wants to see us come through these things unscathed, that he, 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 wants, he wants to see us come through these things, not just surviving, but overcoming in the name of Jesus. That, that, that we come out the other side, not battered and bruised and, and, and like half alive. no. I believe that he, that, that he walks us through these processes, that he allows these things to happen so that we can come out on the other end stronger, better, bolder, 
that these lives speak of the faithfulness of God. You see, folks, when you go to hell and back and you come out on the other side stronger, do you know what it means to the people around you? It is incredible. My family and Zim, to this day, they are heroes of mine because of the stuff that they've gone through. And they had all the right reasons to leave. They had all the right reasons to blame the government. They had all the right reasons to take up arms and just start shooting people. They had all the right reasons to do all of these things. But all of these things would have spoken in their lives that God is not faithful to us. But instead, they threw themselves wholeheartedly. They threw their full faith into their relationship with God. And as they did that, they've seen God just come through in these incredible ways. To this day, I mean, what that stuff started in the year 2000. 19 years later, they're still farming. They're still exporting to China and like all over the world. They're still thriving as farmers. Why? Because they had some or other great um, uh, compost or, or had some fancy way of, of, of planting seeds. Or, no. They relied on the faithfulness of God. And as they recognized that God is faithful, they also recognized that because he, if he's faithful and he's in me, then this person needs to be faithful. And as they've lived those lives, I've seen neighboring farmers, I've seen, I've seen uh, some of us here, you've been with me when we've gone up to the farm. You, you've experienced firsthand. And you look at that and it's just such a testimony to us. I come back to South Africa and I'm like, dude, this place is Vegas compared to that. I don't believe that we've, we've stepped into a journey with Jesus for no reason. You see, later on Jesus said this in Luke 16 verse 10. He said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So many of us have a desire to be used by God in greater ways or or you may just have a desire for your little business to become a big conglomerate or whatever uh, we we have these aspirations of big things happening through these lives and when I read the scripture the thought that goes through my mind is how can God trust us with big things if, if we're not even faithful to just get up half an hour earlier and meet with him, be faithful in the little things. How, how can he trust me with millions if, I, if I'm not faithful in, in the little bit that he's given me? How, how can I, how can I, I, I trust him for, for a, a, a wife and an incredible family when, when I'm not faithful in the little areas of, of my life that speak into me one day having a wife and a great family. I believe that today God is asking you and he's asking me, I very much include myself in this message today. He's asking us to stop and have a very good look at our faithfulness. Do we live lives that speak of being faithful with the little things? You know, 
Like, how often do I try and just manipulate things so that the tax man doesn't know exactly what he should get? Little things. The list goes on. But how can God trust me with the big things if I'm not faithful in the little things? And I believe that as we take up this call, as we walk this, this journey with God, that ultimately we allow Him to, through trials, through, through testing, through the stuff that we go through in life, to start working that faithfulness in us. It's like a muscle being exercised, that by the time we come out of the other end, we come out so much stronger than before. The worship team's welcome to come up. And I believe one of the biggest areas and the most important area is this thing of our relationship with God. Just meeting with Him. I believe that when we're faithful in this area, all the other stuff in our lives starts to change. We know Matthew 6.33, seek first, put me first, and then all these things will be added. As we wrap up this morning, and in the Old Testament we see the people of God not wanting to go and meet with him directly. We see them send Moses up the mountain. Like, we don't want to go up the mountain. Moses, you go up the mountain. You go meet with God and then come down and we'll meet with you. And I believe that unfortunately we've so often been caught in this Old Testament mentality. Where, where, where we, don't, we don't necessarily want to meet with God personally. We're very happy to just show up once a week and meet with Moses. And, hey, Moses, what, what, did, what did God tell you? I believe God's wanting us to step away from that Moses mentality. Where God's saying to us, hey, I want you personally to come up that mountain. I want you personally to be faithful in coming and meeting with me. And that as we are faithful with going and meeting with him, that we get to experience his glory. That we get to experience his goodness, his fullness. That we get to experience more of his faithfulness. But folks, it's never going to happen when we're hanging out at the bottom of the mountain just waiting for Moses to come back. We have to meet with him. In the New Testament, we see Jesus all the time going and meeting with his father, meeting with his father, meeting with his father. 40 days in the wilderness, a morning in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, when he sends the, 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 the disciples out on the, on the ship, he goes into, the, into a cave and he just goes and he's alone and he just prays and he spends time with God. He's faithful in his relationship with God. How's about you and me? How's about you and me? Are we faithful in that little thing? Are we faithful in that little thing that is actually such a massive thing that has such great bearing on your life and my life? And I can guarantee you this. If we get this area of faithfulness right, of meeting with God, of connecting with Him, He will change your life. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you. I'm not preaching a theory. I've experienced this. I know what it means to be madly in love with Jesus. My reason for coming to Jesus wasn't to escape hell. That's the truth. So many people come to Jesus because they're like, I don't want to burn in hell one day. The thought at the time didn't cross my mind. The thought that crossed my mind when I said yes to Jesus was, if I'm in this life, there's got to be a purpose. 
If I'm here today, there's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a reason why I'm here. And there's got to be a better way to do it than what I'm seeing around me. Lord, if you can do anything with this life, do it. And I started walking a journey with Jesus. And I've seen him change areas of my life. I've seen him come through in ways that that I'm so grateful for. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my son. It's the grace of God. It's the faithfulness of God. This morning, where are you at? Where are you at? How's this area of faithfulness looking in your life? Father God, I thank you this morning, Lord, that we can just come and bring these things to you, Lord. Lord, first and foremost, I want to pray for folks who are struggling with their identity. Lord, folks who are are in a place where they're just like, I I don't really know. I don't really know who I am. Uh, I've been chasing my tail regarding this my entire life. Lord, I pray that you will give them a fresh revelation of who you are. Lord, followed up by a fresh revelation of whose they are. Lord, and that as they just get stuck into relationship with you, Lord, that you start unraveling that identity for them, Lord. That they start to recognize that the only thing that should mark this life is not what motorcycle I ride or what house I live in or what neighborhood I stay in, but the fact that I am a child of God. That I might be nothing more than a disciple, but I'll never be anything less than a son. Father God, will you reveal that identity to folks throughout this week, Lord? Lord, I pray for folks who are struggling with their appetites. Lord, struggling with habits, struggling with with just putting other stuff before you, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that this week as they really get down to it and just place you first, Lord, and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving you the rest of these 40 days. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a shot, Lord. Come and, come and change this life. Father God, that you become the true hunger of their lives, Lord, that these appetites fall into the background, Lord, and that you become central to, to what they hunger after in life, Lord. Lord, I thank you for folks right now who are just sitting here just going, I don't know about any of that, but I just, I'm desperate for life change. I'm, I'm desperate to, 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 uh, 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 it's also not about the finish line for me. I'm, I'm just in a place where, where I'm saying, Lord, if this life is here and I've got to live it, Lord, then show me how, show me how, show me to move, how to move from mediocrity to fullness in you, Lord. How do I go about that? And Lord, that you meet them where they're at, Father. That you start walking that road with them as they journey with you. Father God, your word says it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by human strength. But it's by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, will you come and minister to these lives this week, Lord? 
Will you come and meet with each and every person in a significant way, Lord, as they decide for themselves to not wait for Moses, Lord, but Father God, that they choose for themselves to go and meet with you personally, Lord. Lord, and that in those moments you come and do some amazing things, Lord, as you meet with us. Lord, we commit these lives to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. We love and appreciate you. There's something that I said this morning that hit home for you, that you need someone to pray with you about. We're going to have some folks up front here who would love to pray with you. Um, Beyond that, have a wonderful Sunday. On our worship evening, we do know that it is MotoGP that night. So, the MotoGP is only on at like 8 or whatever. So, we're going to be broadcasting it after the worship evening. So, please don't let MotoGP be a reason that you stay away that night. Come to the worship evening and then prepare to stay a bit longer as we have a, a second celebration watching Marquez crash. I mean, whatever else happens in the... Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Have a wonderful Sunday. Have a wonderful week.